nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. I am the nation. I was born on July 4th, 1776, and the Declaration of Independence is my birth certificate. The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I am many things and many people. I am the nation. I am 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I am Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shot heard around the world. I'm Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry. I'm John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain Boy, Davy Crockett. I'm Lee. Coming to you from the D-Tom Studios in the free state of Florida. Sponsored by Mega's Mark Bourbon. This is Don't Tread on America. Wednesday, August 30th, 2023. Let's go. How's everybody doing out there today? I am your host, Don Q, coming from the drenched free state of Florida. Hopefully everybody fared well through the storm. I know it's still churning in North Florida, heading into Georgia. So hopefully everyone's doing well and fares well through the whole situation. And hopefully everybody was prepared for the situation. So, um, a couple things, guys. Uh, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, guys, please make sure you're following the show and uh, subscribe. Uh, if you are on Apple or Spotify, if you could give us a five-star rating, preferably, if, we, if you feel that we deserve it. And if you want to leave a comment there, you can also. And uh, if you want to follow us on the social media, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and the Ticker Talker at Don't Tread on America. And on the Twitter, X Machine at DTOM underscore 1775. And also, we have a website. If you're not on social media, you can check us out at don'ttreadonamerica.com. And uh, from all those platforms there, you can uh, reach out to the show, email us if you have any questions or comments or anything you want to tell us. Um, been getting some emails from listeners, which is nice to actually see some, some participation from, from you guys makes me feel like I'm actually talking to somebody more so than just myself. <laughs> All right. And also, guys, don't forget about the DTOM store. The link is at the bottom of the page of whatever podcast app you're listening to this on. You can also make sure you use uh, DTOM in the promo box to get 10% off your total. And now I'm going to I'm going to say this about that. Okay. I'm doing the store mainly to help me pay for the show to pay for advertising to pay for the uh the hosting fees and the websites and whatnot 
but also to run the store, it cost me about $30 a month. Now, I'm not doing this to boo-hoo woes me. I'm not saying that. I, and I don't, I don't want to start a Patreon. I don't want to be one of those guys. I've always wanted to just try and make this a show for you guys for free and maybe get sponsors, do self-sponsoring, do a, do a merch store or whatever. If it's something that we're not going to do, if, if we're not, <laughs> no one wants to buy anything, if you have a t-shirt idea, if you've gone to the store, let me put it this way. If you've gone to the store and you're looking, it's like, well, these are pretty lame. Um, and just have random people talk in your ear. Then, you know, that's cool, too. We can, we can do that. I have no idea where this... Oh. <laughs> that's nice. It's like, nice when you have videos paused to save and they, they just randomly start playing for no fucking reason anyway guys the point of where i'm trying to get with this is <coughs> excuse me is it's costing me money to run the store if no one wants to buy anything then that's fine i'm going to cancel the store um if you guys want to help me with the store and i'm talking to the people that's been listening to the show for a long time and you feel like well your t-shirt ideas are kind of lame here's an idea i had and if we could put it up for a vote, I can put it on Facebook. And if people say, yeah, that's pretty cool, that's pretty funny. I mean, I did the Martha Stewart's um, lifeguards, and I got a bunch of <laughs> reaction to that, but crickets on the store sale. So um, I guess point being is this. I can't keep putting money into something if it's not going to return. And I'm not trying to make money. I'm at least trying to break even. You know what I'm saying? The podcasting fees aren't aren't a shit ton of money. The uh, the story isn't even a shit ton of money, but, and I know I'm asking you guys for money when times are tough and things are rough, and I get that, so I'm not going to cancel the show, we're actually starting to make some movement now, but if you think the merch store isn't worth your time or my time, then, you know, maybe let me know and I can cancel that, <laughs> save me a little bit of money, anyway, alright, on with the show. So, I've been thinking about this for a long time. And uh, and I even mentioned it on a couple of shows here and there. And it's about, about history. About our history. About American history. And the interesting thing about history it's, is in the word itself. His story, right? And I've always said throughout history... The book of history, whatever the history is you're reading, is written by the winners, okay? World War II, World War One, any war, and if you base history around conflict, which seems to be right, you know, not necessarily the history, but the way history is written, it's always around conflict. We, we take the word of history because, well, that had to be what happened because so-and-so won, right? If you look at, say, World War II, and we read the history of World War II, and let's just do the Cliff Notes version, uh, Hitler was a bad guy, did some bad things, uh, teamed up with Japan and, and Italy, and then they all did some bad things, and then America got involved and, you know, dropped the bomb on Japan and kicked the shit out of uh, Germany and all was well. 
right? And that's the story we've ran with for 80 years, right? And, you know, we don't even know that that's the whole truth because we can talk about World War II and what happened after World War II, Operation Paperclip, so on and so forth, right? And there has to be a winner. There has to be a winner and there has to be a loser for history to be believable, but that doesn't necessarily mean that history is true. It could be written for the masses to understand that one side won and one side lost. So I've always wondered this question. You know, what if what if we found out, what if I told you that everything we were taught about the war for our independence was a lie? <laughs> what do you mean, Don? We're free. We live in a free country. Well, I think... As of late, we can really question whether or not that is true. Is this a free country? Now, I can also argue against myself and say, well, look at other countries and look at our freedom versus their freedom. Well, we look at other countries based on what we're told about other countries versus what we believe we think we have in this country. Now, you can talk to people from other countries that say they uh, move here, you know, whatever. And yeah, they'll, they'll agree. Well, your freedoms are different than our freedoms. And we believe that we are freer than other countries. And we we're not surveilled like other countries and we're not this and we're not that. But I would argue that we are probably just as much surveilled. We're just stupid about it or, or better yet, our government's better at, um, hiding it and not being so forthright like other countries tell you we're surveilling you and what are you going to do about it we just don't tell you <laughs> but on this show we've also talked about false flags and some of the false flags we talked about in this in this show are of more recent history and I and I say recent probably I'm saying within the last 80 or so years we talked about Pearl Harbor, and we talked about Vietnam, and we talked about 9-11. But what if, what if one of the first, America's first false flags was the Battle of Lexington in 1775? So, the Battle of Lexington in 1775 was portrayed as an unprovoked slaughter of colonists by British. James um, Pirloff believes that, like the sinking of the USS Maine and 9-11, the event was engineered to start a war, the American Revolution. Freemasons have manipulated Americans into fighting wars from the get-go. America was founded as a Masonic nation. What Francis Bacon called the New Atlantis when he supported the original Jamestown colony. So, on April 19th, 1775, a force of British redcoats on their way to Concord to confiscate rebel munitions encountered a small force of militiamen. Sad, uh, suddenly, they heard the shot around the world was fired. In the ensuing skirmish, eight colonists were killed and nine were wounded. The British suffered one wounded, and this was the Cassius Bellum, for the American Revolution. But 
Was the shot heard around the world a false flag, not like 9-11, a pretext for war? Um, <clears throat> as explained in the online article, The Secrets Buried at Lexington Green, Americans were deceived. It was proclaimed everywhere that... Let me make this screen a little bigger. There we go. <laughs> uh, where was that? Committed an unprovoked massacre in Lexington. The truth is individuals in concealed location fired upon the British first. Though most Americans today recognize him as only a face on beer bottles, the revolutionary's mastermind in Massachusetts was Sam Adams, whose uh, biographer John Miller called the pioneer in propaganda. Uh, temporary Secretary of the 1774 Philadelphia Congress had secured a pledge from delegates that should warfare erupt between Massachusetts and British troops, the other colonies would aid Massachusetts. But this carried a stipulation they would only help if the British fired first. By the mid uh, 17 by mid April 1775, the Second Continental Congress was three weeks away. Sam Adams desperately needed the British to fire first. Incident to bring to Congress less passions for revolutions and war wane. Here is a highly condensed summary. Um, so the original 1775 depiction above represented how Massachusetts rebels, one of the event then portrayed unprovoked slaughter, the newspaper Massachusetts Spy denied the uh, militia fired any shots, even retaliatory. In their depositions, no Lexington, uh, Lexington militiamen expressly admitted firing shots. As 50th anniversary celebrations approached, the truth began emerging. Residents of neighboring Concord boasted their town should be credited with firing the shot heard around the world. The outraged Lexington uh, did Denzins insisted the honor was theirs. They obtained new de uh, deposition from Lexington Battles age veterans and a turnabout de uh, deponents now insisted they fired at the British, though claiming the Red Good course began the hostilities. <coughs> uh, British reports that the Americans fired first are credible since the British admitted shooting first at the subsequent Concord battle. Why lie about Lexington? Redcoat said the Americans fired first in dairies not intended for publication. Um, and the militiamen's, um, militiamen amending their deposition weakened their credibility. The night before the battle, Joseph Warren dispatched Paul Revere on his famous ride from Boston. Warren sent another rider, William Dawes, and both arrived at Lexington House where John Hancock and Samuel Adams, leaders of the revolution in Massachusetts, were staying. Adams had recruited smuggler John Hancock, the wealthiest man in Massachusetts, to be the revolution's financial angel. What history books omit, Warren was a grandmaster at St. Andrew's Freemasonic uh, Free Lodge in Boston. Revere, Dawes, and Hancock belonged to that lodge. After the war, Revere became grandmaster of the Grand Lodge of Massachusetts. During the French and Indian War, colonists and redcoats fought on the same side. British national debt nearly doubled by the war's end in 1763. 
The Parliament felt British taxpayers should not bear it alone. It felt colonists should contribute since they were the war's main beneficiaries. Britain's willingness to repeal such, uh, I'm sorry, repeal each revenue measure, the Sugar Act, Stamp Act, and Townsend Acts, shows more amendability towards um, colonist protest than commonly believed. Adams was instrumental in changing the Americans' perception of Redcoat to the mad guys. Adams became Boston's virtual dictator, controlling it through organized mobs or Tories, British loyalists, had their homes looted and even destroyed, and their bodies tarred and feathered. These mobs could not be brought to justice. Massachusetts Governor Tom, Thomas Hitch, uh, Hutchinson said he doubted if there was a man greater a man of greater malignity of heart whose less scruples any measure ever so criminal to accomplish this purpose than Sam Adams. So essentially, you got to think. Back in these days, like look at, there's a microphone there. It's big. You'd think you'd see it. Nowadays, between mainstream media, off-stream media, you know, the however many different podcasts are out there, social media, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, or whatever else is out there. We hear hundreds of thousands of versions of the truth. Okay? Back in these days, it was it was very limited versions of the truth. And I think the difference, well, I shouldn't say I think, but the difference between then and now is back then you had a handful of newspapers that printed whatever. Well, if those handful of newspapers were owned or ran or whatever by the same people, and if most of these people were part of these Masonic lodges throughout the different colonies, then obviously the story was going to be the same. The difference between then and now is your your um, your version of the colonist newspapers, for example, is your mainstream media, which would be your mainstream television media but also your mainstream print media so because a lot of your television media your uh like fox and abc nbc cbs and whatever affiliates they own cnn and and msnbc and so on and so forth those entities also own your major newspapers so like your new york times your washington times new york post washington post you know, those those major newspapers also own <laughs> your regional newspapers, a lot of them. You know what I'm saying? And even like your smaller newspapers, like if you live in a small town and you have the, uh, the Daily Gazette, right, in your small town, chances are that Daily Gazette may be ran by, you know, two or three people. But the majority of their articles, especially nowadays with Internet and online and whatever, most of their stuff they get from those other entities, they just print them in their paper for local residents to see. And realistically, in my opinion, newspapers dead news anyway. I always used to call it yesterday's news, right? So the media is controlled by a group of people. And I don't care who you watch. I don't care. It's <laughs> it's all controlled by groups of people. You've probably seen... The old cartoons, the old commercials where it had you had a group, you have your four major networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. Each one of those nowadays are run by corporations, right? 
It's not like it was years and years ago where they were their entities unto their own. They are owned by major corporations. Some corporations that own these news media have nothing to do with news media. They are big onto their own without news media. They just own the news media so they can control the news. So why would 1775 be any different? Other than it being on a lot, much, much, much smaller scale, but nonetheless. So, we we can believe that there were entities within the Masonic lodges and the colonies that wanted war. Now, the Freemasons, being a branch, a subsect of the Illuminati, could you could honestly say that the <clears throat> deep state, the greater power, the whoever, whatever you want to call them, are responsible for wars all around the world. And and I've always wondered, and you always ask the question, why? Why? Why would they want to do that? Well, because it doesn't affect them. These people get people like us to fight their war. The term, you'll see it a lot, where people that joined the military, oh, so-and-so volunteered to join the Army, Navy, Marines, whatever. And that's not true. They didn't... They, I mean, in the technical sense, that's not true. They volunteered their life to join the military. But in all honesty, it's a job. It's... it's. I don't want to say it's no different than working at McDonald's because, trust me, it's it's much different than working at McDonald's. But... They don't, for the most part, now granted World War II and Vietnam, I know they kind of forced people to do that by uh, by doing the draft and whatnot. But since then, everything that's been fought since Vietnam War using American troops, those people were, they. that's where the term volunteer came into place. They, they chose to be in the military. So I think that's where your word volunteered um, became popularized. Oh, so-and-so volunteered their service. They didn't volunteer. They got paid to do a job. So essentially they saw a way to have a job, make some money if they were raising a family. Not that it was a lot of money, but it was more than flipping burgers at McDonald's and uh, so on and so forth. But the point being is most of your enlisted personnel are people with just a high school education or a GED or something along those lines. Most of your people that were officers, especially the ones that came in as officers, already had a college education. They went through, if they went through like a regular college, a regular state university or whatever, they um, maybe did junior ROTC or whatever, GRTC, or they went through one of the military uh, academies and were brought in that way. So, by doing that, those individuals were probably more on a higher tier of, and maybe their fathers or grandfathers or great-grandfathers were part of the deal also. You see what I'm saying? So, those, those folks are all about war because war makes these corporations money whether it's news media uh um 
weapons manufacturers, whatever. They all benefit from this. But I, I stumbled upon this video that even goes further into the whole um, <laughs> the whole Revolutionary War as to whether or not we are even as free as we believe that we are. Between Britain and the United States exposes a shocking truth. The United States has always been and still is a British crown colony. King James I was famous not for just changing the Bible into the King James Version, but for signing the first charter of Virginia in 1606. That charter granted America's British forefathers a license to settle and colonize America. The charter also guaranteed that future kings and queens of England would have sovereign authority over all the citizens and colonized land in America stolen from the Indians. After America declared its independence from Great Britain, the Treaty of 1783 was signed. That treaty specifically identifies the King of England as the Prince of the United States and contradicts the belief that America won the War of Independence. Although King George III of England gave up most of his claims over his American colonies, he kept his right to continue receiving payment for his business venture of colonizing America. If America had really won the War of Independence, they would never have agreed to pay debts and reparations to the King of England. When Congress passed the 13th Amendment to the Constitution, the U.S. President was made subservient to the King of England. The 13th Amendment is called the Title of Nobility Amendment and forbids U.S. Presidents and their officials from using royal titles like King or Prince or Baron. For some mysterious reason, the 13th Amendment, which was ratified in 1810, no longer appears on current copies of the Constitution. America's blood-soaked war of independence against the British bankrupted America and turned its citizens into permanent debt slaves of the King. In the War of 1812, the British torched and burned to the ground the White House and all U.S. government buildings and destroyed ratification records of the U.S. Constitution. One century later, a corrupt U.S. Congress committed the biggest theft in world history. They passed Paul Warburg's Federal Reserve Act in 1913, handing over America's gold and silver reserves and total control of America's economy to the Rothschild banksters. Most Americans still believe that the Fed or Federal Reserve is the government. It is not. The Fed is a privately owned banking system whose majority Class A shareholders are the Rothschilds, Warburgs, Kuhn and Loeb, J.P. Morgan, Rockefeller, Israel Seif, and the Lehman Brothers. This private banking cartel is the Fed and is never audited and never pays taxes. They print and design America's money, which displays their symbols of an Egyptian pyramid, a Masonic all-seeing eye, and the words, in God we trust. Who exactly is the God they trust? They also collect American taxpayers' money through the IRS. Then they loan it back again with interest to pay for roads, bridges, and other public work. American presidents are hand-picked and financed by these special interest power groups. Like George W. Bush, John Forbes Carey, whose initials are JFK, is a member of Yale University's Skull and Bones Brotherhood. The Forbes part of John Kerry's name identifies his descendancy from Captain Robert Bennett Forbes, who was a drug runner for the Rothschild's opium drug trade with China in the 1800s. Most U.S. citizens believe that the United States is a country and that the president is the most powerful man on earth. The United States is not a country. 
It is a corporation, and the president is president of the corporation of the United States. He and his elected officials work for the corporation, not for the American people. Since the United States is a corporation, who owns the corporation of the United States? Like Canada and Australia, whose leaders are prime ministers of the Queen and whose land is called Crown Land, the United States is just another Crown Colony. So, <clears throat> so <clears throat> very interesting in finding out that essentially what what they're what they're hinting at is it's almost like it was a cover up. Like we we were led to believe that we gained our independence from Britain and we're our own entity. When in actuality, and I've said this before, I even did a show called the American Corp, uh, Incorporated States of America, that the United States, as we are taught what it is, isn't really what we think it is. And we, we are taught from school that it is a free country and and colonists did this and we did that and we're so great and we're so great and i obviously we base this show around that theory okay and i think the problem is is they told such a good story that there's a lot of people in this country that believe it and i think now since since these people move so slowly in the way they do things sometimes that works against them and thus the 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 uh, bill of rights so your first amendment freedom of speech blah 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 freedom of press freedom of religion second amendment freedom right to bear arms right and now they want to take those away from us but it's almost like what's the what's the phrase is once you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube type situation and if lexington was a false flag was it a false flag under the pretenses of war not so much to have a free country but to give the illusion of a free country thus starting this project of the new world order You've always heard, and you've probably read in history books, where they where they called the United States, of course, back in the day it wasn't the United States, but the colonies, was the New World, right? So, was this plot of land that we call the United States, was it destined to be what it never became because... They wanted to. They. I'm trying. I'm trying to wrap my head around this as I'm telling you this. So they wanted us to believe that we were a free country, but in turn, they also wanted to enslave us as cogs in the machine, I guess. And I, you know, when I talked about this, and I talked about back in 1864, where you had civil war. Um, Lincoln was able to do martial law. In doing so, they were able to do a lot of things behind the scenes because why? The world or the country was preoccupied by civil war. And and I've talked about this now. They, there's always, if they're preoccupying you with some major event, there's always something else going on. Okay, now back in the day, obviously, it was a lot easier to preoccupy you with a major event because news media wasn't so rampant as it is nowadays. And then when 
anything outside of the mainstream media and i'm i'm and i'm going to include fox and news nation and all these other newsmax and all these other entities into mainstream media when you when you're outside of that bubble when you're the d time show or you're alex jones or you're uh, bongino or tim pool or poso or whoever else you listen to you you fall into a, a group of uh the alternate media whether you're alternate or you know whether you're alt right or alt left okay your alternate media doesn't mean you're wrong you're just not in line with what the big boys are saying and if you're not saying what they're saying then you're wrong you're you're i'm not saying that you're wrong but according to them you are but i'm going to give you eight reasons why the british crown still controls the united states and this is a question I often ask, and I'm sure a lot of you guys do the same. And this is no offense to anybody that lives outside of this country. And if you're living in England and you're listening to this, it's no offense to you guys because it's beyond all of us. This has nothing to do with me as a United States citizen or you as a United, I don't know the phrase, and I'm not trying to be ignorant, but the, an English citizen or you know, whatever you, whatever, whatever each country calls themselves. I'm, I'm not trying to be ignorant. I'm just, I don't know. So, so whatever country you live in outside of the U.S. and you are a sovereign citizen of that country and you love your country and that's fine. You're, you're, you should. It's your country. You should love them. Um, this has nothing to do with you, the citizen. We're talking about your governments. I'm talking about our government. And I love the United States because I was raised to believe that we were the greatest nation on earth. Okay? But I've often often asked this question as a 50-year-old man living in the United States. Anytime they bring up, they, the media, brings up anything to do with British royalty... And and I don't know how it is in England. I've never been, and I'm. I would assume the magistry and the the media coverage and the oh my god is is just as big there. If it's probably bigger there, I would assume than it is here. But even here, it's still more along the lines of this princess, you know, prince this and princess that and king this and queen that. When like Queen, queen Elizabeth died, it was like wall to wall coverage for like a week or however long it was and i'm like you know okay she was like uh, you know 100 so are we surprised that she died and why do we care she died may god have mercy on her soul i feel sorry for her family and we carry on okay and i would assume, and i don't know how it is i don't know if in england when jfk got shot obviously this was before i was born was it wall-to-wall media coverage in England? I don't know. Maybe it was. Probably it wasn't because why would they care? And that's my point. And, he, and I should even just put this on the queen dying, for example. But just anything that happens with the royal family over there, it's like top-page news here in America. And I've often wondered, why do I care? Why do I care about Harry and Meghan and Andrew and his what's her name? Kate or whatever. Kate, yeah. Why, why, do, I, why do I even know these names? Why do I care? <laughs> why do i care that these people are in existence it doesn't affect me or does it 
You understand what I'm saying now? So I'm going to give you eight reasons the British crown still controls the United States amongst other countries. I mean, look at Canada. We're under the notion that Canada is its own entity, but look at their money. Tell me they're their own entity. <clears throat> so, you know, before I go any further, we, I need to state right now that the following claims are ones that reside mainly on the fringes of the fringes of the conspiracy world. And as such are dismissed as outrageous nonsense by many. They revolve around the claim that the United States of America remains under the control of the British. Or, more to the point, the Crown. And it remains so through the group formed in the 17th century named the Virginia Company. You have to make these claims what you will. As they are most likely the wide mark of accurate reality. The thought process, however, and the ways the dots have been connected are intriguing in their own right. And I say that because what I'm going to tell you guys is really out there. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. It's, it's really out there. But the reason it's really out there is because I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure anybody that was alive during this time is probably dead. Right? This country has only been the United States of America, as we are led to believe that exist, has only been in existence for what, 247 years, right? And so anybody that was <laughs> alive during that time is clearly dead. Anybody that was alive 100 years after that is clearly dead. But once the history books were written and time passed on and father after father after father died, the story constantly changes. And before I get into the eight steps, I'm going to say this about that. Think about you. If you're my age, think about the history books that you read when you were a kid. If you have a child that was in that's in school and if you're... 30, 40, whatever years old, and your kids in middle school, high school, whatever, thumb through their history, especially if they're in U.S. history, thumb through their book, see what they're learning about. I guarantee you it's not the same U.S. history you learned about. And why is that? Because between generations, they can change the history to meld the minds of whoever they're teaching. You don't know. You're not learning that anymore. Right? So, why would it be so impossible to believe that between 1776 and 2023, the history hasn't, involved, hasn't evolved into a whole situation to make us believe something that's not true? How is it? It's not that hard to wrap your head around, especially once I read these eight things. So, number eight is known as the secret. In 1604 meeting, in Greenwich, London. The best place to begin exploring these claims is a look at the Virginia Company, and more specifically, an apparent meeting that took place in Greenwich, London, in England in 1604. On the agenda were the potential opportunities of the New World, and what we today, as the United States of America, or perhaps more accurately, how they could benefit the many elites 
of the United Kingdom. This was also the case with other parts of Europe, as well as many of the secret societies that were essentially forerunners of the Freemasons. According to the claims, one of those at uh, this secret meeting was none, none was no less than King James I. James, incidentally, had the largest share in the new venture. This investment would see the influence of the king grow considerably. It could do so as they seized land to explore materials in the new world. And what's more, the ultimate objective was to increase the overall wealth and influence of the crown. This, however, opposed to popular belief, is not reference to the royal family. If we believe the claims, the meeting would result in the creation of the Virginia Company. This group would then set out on two separate missions to the promising lands of the New World. One land would in uh, what is now Jamestown in 1607, named after King James I. The other would be arrive at Cape Cod in 1620. Both would immediately claim rights to the land they had, quote-unquote, discovered. So the crown, number seven, what is it? When most people think of the crown, they very likely imagine the connection to the British royal family. However, in this instance, it is a reference to the crown at Temple Bar, which resides in the city of London. This area is where the many lawmakers and bankers operate from. Indeed, those who subscribe to the worldwide conspiracy of elite overlords controlling everything state that the crown is one of the central operating locations. Now, this is very important, so pay attention to what I just said. Okay? The city of London. I'm going to get to that in here in just a little bit. And this is the area where many lawmakers and bankers operate from. Okay? Says the crown is one of the central operating locations. So the city of London, and those that you know, you know what I'm going to get to. We'll get to it in a second. In the early 1600s, one of the main concerns of the crown was the rapidly increasing influence from the conquest of the Spanish. Many of the territories in South America, for example, were already under Spanish control. Because of this, the spread of Spanish language was increasing, and perhaps a most concern to the elites of England at the time, so was the spread of Catholicism. Catholicism. <laughs> a decision was made to beat them to the northern territories, lest the challenge, the influence of the crown, and the subsequent profits they would make. The city of London, a law unto itself. Much like the District of Columbia, which we'll, we'll, we'll get to that here in a little bit too, the city of London is a law unto itself. It resides right in the heart of London on grounds only one square mile and upon the conquest of William the Conqueror, would negotiate its own laws and freedoms. As a result, since 1066, it has acted as its own sovereign state. This remains fully in place today, and was arrived at the thought debt financing. In, incidentally, this is perhaps one of the first examples of the start of the modern banking world. Much is the same for the District of Columbia, where the heart of the American banking system resides. This is known as the Federal Reserve and also operates under its own laws. And like the city of London, 
is a separate entity from the rest of the country. What's more, the twists and turns of America's early years began to become even more intriguing. For example, not only were a large per portion of the Founding Fathers Freemasons, but many were also lawyers for the Crown. And their presence in the soon-to-be United States was for one reason only, to ensure that all decisions in relation to the land, materials, and taxes were all tipped in their favor. So, it's interesting, and I'll, I'll get to number five here in a second. Whenever you see the news and they talk about the royal family, they'll say a lot of times they don't refer. They refer to the crown and the royal family under separate entities. Because we are, we are, to, we are to believe as Americans that when they say the crown, they're talking about the royalty. When in actuality, they're talking about the city of London. Number five, the Act of 1871. So, one of the most intriguing parts of the Virginia Company and the British control of the United States revolves around the Act of 1871. According to the claims, the real purpose of the Act of 1871 was to create two separate entities. One, a country, the United States of America, and the other, a corporation, the United States corporation was based in the District of Columbia, which is a law unto itself with its own government. This is the federal government and is different from that of the United States. Official history suggests that the grip of the Virginia Company ceased following the War of Independence. This would break the country from British rule and also force the group into bankruptcy. However, following the Act of 1871, bankers and private companies were able to operate out of the District of Columbia. They would ultimately profit from the debt of the United States government. This is largely because the United States was forced to borrow money from the Reserve, much as they do today. Over time, some began to question this setup. Many researchers even questioned whether the Federal Reserve is nothing more than the Virginia Company renamed. If this is the case, then what would it mean that the United States of America was essentially still under British control? if only because the vast amount of financial debt it remains into the Federal Reserve. So in 1871, you had the Act of 1871. In 1874 is when they first started the idea of income tax. Okay? And then in 1913, when they signed the Federal Reserve Act, is when essentially everyone at that time that's when Social Security numbers were started. And I did a show and I talked about this, how your Social Security number is essentially your serial number. And it's a bank number in the Federal Reserve. And when I said in that show, uh, the corporation or Incorporated States of America, if you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to please do so. But I talked about how we are, believe, we are taught to believe that the Civil War ended slavery. Right. And I made the claim that I don't believe it actually ended slavery. I think it expanded slavery. Now, you might be asking the question, what the fuck are you talking about? Expanded slavery. The black people are free. Yeah. OK. They are. They were signed into the government tropes just like the rest of us are. They're free to work and make money, but pay taxes. That's what I meant by that. 
It didn't stop slavery. It expanded it. In other words, it made all of us people who are not of the elites, made us all slaves. Isn't it interesting when they always talk about taxes, no matter what side you're talking about? They never talk about your taxes. And I don't care who the president is. How many times have you actually seen your taxes been lower? If you're, if you're a regular dude like I am, or chick, no offense, and, you're, and you get paid a wage every, every week. And let's say you get paid weekly or every two weeks. And let's say you're on a salary. So your check is the same every week. So how many of you guys heard a president say, I'm going to lower taxes. I'm going to raise taxes. I'm not going to do anything with taxes. But more importantly, I'm going to lower taxes. Have you, have you ever actually seen your paycheck change? I mean, aside of you maybe getting a raise. I don't care who the president is. Did Donald Trump come in and say he was going to lower taxes and now your check's $100 more a week? Without a pay raise. I'm not, I'm not talking about a pay raise. I'm going to warn a guest and say no. So, I think your real tax lowering or raising is more the inflation key of everything. And that's a show for another day, obviously. So, number four, maritime law claims. Perhaps one of the most bizarre claims connecting the Virginia Company to those of maritime law in America. And if we accept them to be accurate for one moment, the reality of the United States courts looks entirely different. Officially, the United States court system operates under common law for the law of the land, as the District of Columbia is home to the private federal government. Though it operates under maritime law, this is sometimes called admiralty law, which is essentially the law of the sea. This means if you subscribe to the theories, the court systems in federal cases are also operating under maritime law and ultimately are operating under laws outside the American legal system. Instead, some people claim that law cases are operating under the same system as when under British rule. Of course, we should remind ourselves once more that many people reject such claims. Indeed, <clears throat> most uh, see them as nothing more but twisted truths on one level and outraged nonsense on the other. And I think we've just seen that recently with uh, what's going on with President Trump. Number three, ties to ancient bloodlines and secret societies. There are several claims that revolve around the idea of ruling elite bloodlines stretching back to antiquity. And of course, these ruins through, I'm sorry, this runs (laughs) through the founding fathers and their connections to the crowns of England. What's more, these connections also run through the rural and elite families of Europe going Um, One stage further, many of these same bloodlines stretch back to antiquity and through such empires as those of ancient Rome and Egypt, right the way back to the Sumner region. Perhaps one more point of interest is the notion that over 40 of the United States presidents also connect to these bloodlines. It is easy easy to see then when the idea of the ruling control resources over other planets I'm sorry, <laughs> over the planet comes from and why the idea blossoms easily is in 
the minds of some researchers, and if true, the Virginia Company is one of the part of the overriding control. And it's true, I've talked about the Bush crime family. If you haven't listened to that, it's a a long series, but I did talk about their lineage. I've talked about some of the other bloodlines of the Illuminati. I'm working on my next one. I'll probably do it next week. It'll be on the uh, Rockefellers. I've already done the Rothschilds. I've done the Collinses. I've done a, I've done a handful. One of the most intriguing ones will be the, the Rockefellers, and we'll get to that here probably next week. Number two, intriguing clues in the names. So tied in around these claims to the connections to secret societies and bloodlines are further intriguing clues. Once that some researchers' claims are hidden in plain sight for everyone to see. Once again, we will turn to the District of Columbia and its appearance discrete origins to Babylon. For example, one of the most important deities in Babylon was Queen Samaris. This divine being also goes by the name Venus Columba. It doesn't take too much to study to see the near match to the words Columba and Columbia. Might it be the District of Columbia is, in fact, the District of Columba. This would essentially mean that the district of Venus Columba or Queen Samaria is of Babylon. This is simply one such clue that those who subscribe to the claims of secret control over the world, including the United States, feel endorse their argument. Most would accept that such conspiracies are highly unlikely. There is still, however, a tiny bit of in most of us that question just a little bit if it might be true. Number one, the words of George Bush, Daddy Bush. Where there is considerable doubt as to what he actually meant, a quote usually attributed to Georgia, Georgia, George Bush Sr. is intriguing, and it looked at, at as being some an admission regarding control to a very select few over the rest of the world's populace. According to the claims, Bush would state, if the American people knew what we had done, They would string us up from the lamppost. Was he referring to the claims we have discussed here? After all, the above statement could be used in relation to many such instances of the 20th century, including the oil scandals, for example, to the death of JFK, to the many scandals in the Reagan era, which, by the way, Bush is responsible for most of this. (laughs) Was this Bush Sr. meant... Uh, He claimed they would be strung up from the lamppost if people knew the truth. It is certainly food for thought. Of that, there is little doubt. So, when we talked about the Crown, the city of London, and Washington, D.C., there is what some believe the empire of cities. Um, There's three cities across the world that are called the empire of city-states the crown washington sea and the vatican so the emperor of the, the city there is an entity that is actively taking over the world right now some call it the new world order which is finally spoken by bush senior as he signs of the new world order are everywhere corporations bear their symbols and so do our money novus ordo Solocatorum, the New World Order, or the New Order of the World, is not just American money, but money in Europe and scattered all over the world as well. Globalist think uh, thinking is 
also incurs throughout the NWO nations by means of propaganda. And the people of these nations are kept apathetic and ignorant by complex systems of control. So, propaganda isn't new. This isn't something that uh, Trump does or the mainstream media does. Now, it's something that's been going on for thousands of years. And these people are responsible for it because it's easy to control people by propaganda. A favorite symbol is the all-seeing eye, which is the eye of Horus, contained within the triangle. It's sometimes accompanied, accompanied by a pyramid missing its capstone. Things bearing this symbol include, but are not limited to, the reverse of the Great Seal of the U.S., the back of the dollar bill, which bears a Great Seal, the Information Awareness Office, the part of the Department of Defense and Change of Developing <clears throat> Mass Surveillance and Intelligent Gathering Technologies and Databases. The logo of Fidelity Investments, the MI5, even uh, Tolkien's classic personifications of evil, Sauron. Other symbols you can look for is the upside-down pentagram, pentagram and the upside-down five-sided star. So I don't want to get too much into that, but seriously, their symbols are everywhere. <clears throat> and it's something that's in my throat now to make me sound evil. <laughs> it's obvious that there is very much in high places with a lot of influence. But who are they? And why are they so obsessed with sun symbolism? There are what is called the Empire of the City. The Empire of the City actually consists of three cities, which belong to no nation or states, pay no taxes. Vatican City, the City of London, and, the, and Washington, D.C. Vatican City controls the world through religion. The city of London controls the world through currency, and Washington, D.C. controls the world through force. The city of London, or the square mile, is a plot of land approximately a square mile in London. It is independent from England and is ruled by the City of London Corporation. Located in the center of each city is an Egyptian obelisk erect. There are, um, there are the obelisk in St. Peter's Square, and the Washington Monument, and Cleopatra's Needle in the city of London, of course. One question you might want to ask yourself is, why is there an Egyptian obelisk, which is a tribute to the Egyptian pagan sun god, Amun-Ra? In the middle of Vatican City, contained with these three cities, is more than 80% of the world's wealth. The world's wealth. The empire of the city is essentially the British Empire or more accurately, the forces behind the British Empire of the past. The Empire asserts control over the colonies such as the U.S., Canada, Australia, and the, Europe <laughs> the European Union through complicated means. One of their means is control is to have agents of their causes in high places of influence. This cabal of powerful manipulators is known collectively as the Illuminati. The shadow government, the Omega Agency the government within the government, and so on. So think of those words I've just said there. You've heard of the Illuminati, but everything else you actually hear on the news. The government within the government. You've heard that. It does not matter what they are called. Or I guess you could even throw in deep state, right? They are there and have been actively and le legislatively writing away our freedoms 
and also have been working towards the New World Order. Example of this is the Patriot Act, H.R. Bill 1955, the European Union Constitution, and the Security of Prosperity uh, Partnership. The agents of the shadow government meet secretly once a year, what has become uh, known to be called the Bilderberg Group. The Bilderberg Group has met in secret since the early 1950s, and since many of the attendees are media moguls, they have kept the information on the down low. The Bilderberg Group got its first newspaper mentioned in the mid-1980s, and it was not until the Internet age that the Bilderberg Group became somewhat known. Attendees include, but are not limited to, royalty, world banksters, president, CEOs, well, you know, you get the picture. The Bilderberg Group meets once a year, um, every year, by renting out a hotel three years in Europe and the fourth year in North America. Um, the video link, um, I don't have a video link, is from the 06, da da da. Yeah, so I don't know that. I don't have a video link. So, The agents of the shadow government are also part of the Council of Foreign Relations, which is independent from the U.S. government. Both the CFR and the Bilderberg Group was, were established upon Rockefeller funding, right? So um, just for fun, you should see how many of those running for president in the past are CFR members. And be interesting to look at that for now, too. This, this article I'm reading is a little bit older, especially the media favorites. So other, ND, uh, other NWO groups you could look up inside but are not limited to the Trilateral Commission, Skull and Bone Society, and the Bohemian Club, which includes many influential men, including presidents, and engages in worshiping to the owl, of, the owl idol, Moloch. Other means are controlled through the world's uh, central banks. Contrary to popular belief, the Federal Reserve is not part of the U.S. government. I've said that time and time again. The only part that is quote-unquote federal about it is the name. It is privately owned enterprise, and so is the Bank of England and every central bank out there, including the World Bank. Interestingly enough, all these um, private central banks are owned by a large, largely the same group of people. This group includes, but is not limited to, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, and the Warburgs and their interests. Now, if you listen to the the NWO Rothschilds episode I did, you would know exactly what that's about. All the money that is out there is a loan. The central banks print the money, then loans it to the government on interest. This is why the national debt of any country grows exponentially. This is because the money that is needed to pay back the loans come from central bank on loan. The American national debt is so great right now that every person born in the U.S. is automatically over $70,000 in debt. And I think that's actually higher now. I think it's 90-something thousand. This is a way to control, to make every citizen in the, in the, of the colony a willing debt slave to the empire. So, thus the reason why in 1913 the Social Security Act was created. So everyone in this country, and, and it might be the same in other countries, I don't know... If you guys, and if you live in England or Spain or wherever you're at, different countries, if you want to email me at the show and or message me on Facebook or whatever and tell me what, what is y'all's situation. Like if you, do you have a, like a version of a social security number? Uh, you work at a job. Do you have to pay, like here in America, we, you work a job and we pay, we pay uh, with tax withholding. 
which is one thing. Then we have FICA, which is another thing. And those are taxes. The FICA essentially is a tax that we pay out of our check that goes to the Federal Reserve. Then the tax withholding is our is our income tax, which has nothing to do with the Federal Reserve. That's a whole different situation. So I'm just curious if in some of these other countries that are listening to this, if you work a job and you get a paycheck every week or whatever, you have a similar situation. Because I would assume, especially if you live in Europe and uh, and you you would probably fall into these same guidelines that your country is too in debt to these central banks. And it's not like the country's going to pay back that loan. You're going to pay back that loan. Thus, the point of me saying back in 1874 and 1864 or 5, whenever it was when when uh, Lincoln did martial law, was able to change the banking system, unbeknownst to us. Then in 1913, they decided to have Social Security so we would we, the people, would have to pay back their loans. And why I also say, in America anyway, when we had the Civil War to quote-unquote end slavery, it was to expand slavery to make us all slaves. So, I foresee that the manufactured economy crisis of right now in the U.S. will be used as grounds to push for the North American Union and to use a single North American currency to enslave the entire continent. Now, this is something that has been pushed around. I think nowadays this is more along the lines of your digital currencies. The oil crisis is also a manufactured one. Um, there is no shortage on oil. Any perceived shortage, oil prices have been steadily increasing, and the oil companies are specific, <laughs> suspiciously making record profits. However... It is not the oil companies who are in control. It is the middlemen between the oil fields and the oil companies who set the prices. These middlemen happen to be the same interests who own the world banks and set the prices for the world's gold, such as the Rockefellers. What a coincidence. Oil prices have been steadily increasing, but the purpose is not for profit. Oil prices right now are a form of taxation. You can call, I'm sorry, you can tell by its calculated steady increase. This is based off a psychological principle of just noticeable difference. For example, if you change the volume of your radio from 5 to 6, it seems to be the same. But if you change it from 5 to 8, then it seems to be perceivably louder. This is the same with, with the price of oil. By steadily increasing the prices slowly, the impact on our lives seem less pronounced because it is slow and steady uh, change. In fact, this is the same principle that implementation of the NWO is based upon. The oil taxation is another form of their control. Now, mind you, we see it a little more gradually. It's, sometimes it is a penny raise, but it's been more of a 20-cent raise or 10-cent raise, which you do see that. Food products are also quickly coming under their control as the Monsanto Corporation has been steadily gaining a monopoly over seeds for farmers and other foodstuffs. One should note that Monsanto was the same corporation that brought us Agent Orange and is ultimately tied with the NWO. The final form of control that, I'll, that we'll tell, talk about here uh, for now is what I would like to call reality control. This is done through TV, radio, the internet, newspapers, so on and so forth. 
most of us are aware that every TV station, well, I just talked about this too before reading this, <laughs> belongs to one of the five super corporations. TV reality has become a new reality, hence the prominence of reality shows. The most new world citizens know the, uh, know the world through the biased lens of the TV screens. We are in a world where the simulated reality has become the accepted reality of the masses. This is essentially the whole point of the popular movie, The Matrix, which was based upon a bald, baldrilled essay, uh, simulacra, simulations. See, guys, when you put in fucked up words, the PCGC has a hard time reading them things. Then when you put the easy word right next to it, I I fucked that up too. God bless. (laughs) Anyway, it's an essay on simulation. Let's just put that. Which in turn is about modern societies accepting acceptance of manufactured realities. Uh, Norm Chomsky also wrote about this in issue in his book, Manufacturing Consent which he has also made into a documentary now available on Google Video. For example, in simulation reality, what Britney Spears does matter when in reality, when in real reality, it does not. For example, in simulation reality, conspiracy theory, quote-unquote, is for nutjobs and wackos, while in real reality, um, questioning the government should be a standard in free society. In simulation reality, Iraq had WMDs. In simulation reality, the U.S. is liberating Iraq. But in real reality, the U.S. was helping the empire conquer the Middle East. In simulation reality, people can be apathetic and arrogant to politics and the world with no consequences. But in real reality, the people of the world are handling the sovereignty of their nations over to the empire on a silver platter. So, and I think that's the difference between people like me and you guys that listen to this show. And I'm not saying we're on an island. There's obviously plenty of other shows very similar to this one. I'll talk about, you know, I was on Charlie Robinson's show last weekend. And uh, he does a podcast called Macroaggressions. And he's very similar on the mindset of this reality. And you've heard people talk about simulation. Like, we live in a simulation. And I don't think it's a simulation in the sense that we're like a video game. I think it's a simulation of, like what they're saying here, of a controlled reality by media, whether it's TV, social media, whatever, movies, TV. And when I say, when I say media, I'm not talking about necessarily just the news. We're not talking about Fox News or CNN or whoever else. We're talking about television shows, movies, radio. We're talking about it all. That is media. Okay, so we are led to believe, like when they're talking about WMDs, obviously I was back, and I don't remember the exact year, but back when, after 9-11, when, uh, you know, Bush was like, we got to fight him over there, and we got to fight him, I want to fight him over here, and for whatever reason, we invaded Iraq, because that had, at the time, we were under the belief that it was uh, Osama bin Laden and Saudi and Afghanistan or whatever, that was behind 9-11, if if we're going to go with that story. (laughs) If we're going to go with the story that we were told about 9-11, let me put it that way. It was Osama bin Laden financed by the Saudis out of Afghanistan, right? So if we're going to go with that story, why did we go into Iraq? There was never any WMDs, and it had everything to do 
with handing the empire, taking the empire over, taking the Middle East. And that's why, I mean, not for nothing, but that's why a lot of those people hate us. And not just us Americans, but the white man, whether you're European or American. And uh, uh, here comes the rain. <laughs> here comes the rain again. Oh. Um, so I think that's what the, sim the uh, simulation theory is, is that we are led to believe that the things we're doing are the right things, when in actuality, if you open your eyes and you can see that what we're doing as countries, not just this country, but whatever country you might live in, we're all doing the same thing. And we're the crazy ones for questioning it because we are a small minority. And I, like I said, I don't care what country you live in. If you're listening to the show, you believe in what I believe. And you see what I see. I know the show's called Don't Tread on America. And I get what my point of the show is. But since I've been doing this show for over two years now, I've come to realize that the, the things that I was angry about or that I am angry about in this country is just one small piece of the puzzle. That the things we're seeing in this country are obviously happening in every country. Thus why I think I have such a large world out, you know, a touch on, on people. You know, I did this show thinking this can be all about America. <laughs> well, son of a bitch, I got listeners all over the world, and and I th I think it's kind of cool, you know, that people listen to, that want to hear what I have to say. But I I think it's because I'm making a point, and they're understanding that what that they're not the crazy ones, that what they see is in fact what is going on, not what the news media is telling them, what they actually see. So, all right, guys, I got one more little thing, and this is kind of, uh, I'm going to turn this music down here. This is something, I think this was in, it was either in uh, Arizona or New Mexico, somewhere over that way in, in, in America. And this is, this is called, this is from the uh, Fuck Around and Find Out files here on the D-Tom show. And uh, essentially, I'm going to play this video. Let me, let me back it up, Don, back it up. There it is. So I'm going to explain what's happening. So in this video, you have uh, climate activists blocking a road, right? Now, traffic's going to end up getting backed up for miles. And these people are pissed because you have a group of these, you know, people chaining themselves to roadblocks, blocking the road. You hear the people talking to each other. So they, like, put some trailers in the way. They chain themselves to the trailer. The, the people are like, hey, can't we just push these trailers out of the way? You know, so on and so forth. They're kicking the people. They're... We could do better with what? No, I know that. But what the f are you doing? There's a traffic jam 10 miles down there. Yeah, you guys already fing mind. People got around like gas, water, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're telling us. But you know nothing. You know nothing. Like, cool, you're making a fing stand. We're all trying to go fing burn. So, this is interesting. I think they were going to a Burning Man concert or something. So, the tribal police show up here in just a minute. And, uh, well, they, here they come.
And he plows through their little brocade. Plows right through the blockade. People are like, oh my god. Circles back around his 4x4. And he's coming back for a second pass. Here he comes. Not violent. We have no weapons at all. We have no We're weapons. We're environment or protesters. <laughs> See, here's the kicker. They were trespassing on tribal land. That's so the tribal authorities gave these people permission to, to do the Burning Man situation. If you've heard of it, I, I don't know everything about it, but whatever. These protesters are trying to block these people from going to this concert or whatever it is. The problem is, is it was on tribal land. Now, the people going to the concert or whatever it is had the right to be there. <laughs> these protesters did not. Interesting. So that's, yeah, that's from the, uh, the uh, fuck around and find out files of the, uh, the tribal police here in, uh, I think it was in Arizona. So there you go. <laughs> I think it's interesting because, you know, it's, it's what you get. Um, now, do people have the right to protest and speak their mind? Yeah, they do. Just you got to do it the right way, guys. Find out the boundaries. If you had probably been a mile, two miles up the street, you'd probably have been fine. Nope. You had to fuck around and find out on tribal grounds. Yep. All right, guys. With that being said, today is Wednesday, August 30th, the last month of, the, of uh, August here. And I am your host, Don Q. And please follow us on social media. Don't try to America on Facebook, Instagram, and the TikToker. And on the Twitter X machine at DTOM underscore 1775. And if you would like to follow us on the interweb, it is DoltreadOnAmerica.com. And like I said before, guys, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, if you could please follow the show, subscribe, and then make sure you're sharing this with your friends. Other than that, you have a great day, and I'll talk to you again on Friday.